Episode 23 of Fitness Bayview of Bevan James Isles. Where do you measure? Alrighty guys, welcome along to episode 23 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, it's been a, it's been a month, which is uh, obviously how this thing works, and, and I imagine a few of you may have not have been a month, you might be listening to the show back to back, but it's been an interesting month for me. I've had uh, that talk that last month in the show, and before I actually got into the core content, I talked about how I was going to be doing this talk, and uh, and I, I had it a couple of days ago, and, I, and I, I won't go into too much detail, but it was, um, yeah, it was, it was really it went really well and I was really happy with it and it was a a good experience for me because it made me realize that I'm not nervous enough in life right now. I kind of always think that if you're nervous in life, unless unless it's just a character trait that's really holding you back, but if you, if you know, if you're nervous in life, it really is a way of showing yourself that you're trying to challenge yourself to grow as a person and that nervousness comes from doubt. It comes from, you know, wondering if you're going to be good enough and all those kind of fearful moments that we that are healthy to face and uh I woke up in the morning of the talk and this talk was a big talk for me because uh big audience kind of well I've, I've talked to bigger audiences but but a different audience and uh an audience who I'd hadn't won you know I had to you know go on stage and pretty much try to win them over straight away but also an audience a, a content that I created totally new for this one and normally if you're doing a big talk, you'll you'll you know an important talk, you'll go to content you know really well. But I wanted to create new content for this one, so I had that nervous feeling. And um, if anything, it probably it probably challenged me to realise that maybe I'm not doing enough of that stuff in my life right now, enough of that challenging myself to grow. So it's definitely that whole process of going through and doing that talk, and and you know it seemed as though people liked what I was talking about, which is great. But for a personal level, for me to actually realise that I'm probably not challenging myself as much as I could be in certain areas of my life. So it was, it was one of those kind of reset times that I've talked about in podcasts before where I created some self-awareness and thought, well, you know, maybe it's time I sharpen up. Uh, the good thing is, is that I'm about to head over to Europe. My partner, Joe, and I, we're going to spend pretty much a month in Europe. I've got to go to Sweden for work for a day, and then uh, I'm going to meet my partner, Joe, in Paris, and then we're going to go to, to Italy and, and spend a month over there. So um, the good thing is I'm, I'm going to use that time just to reassess and to kind of sit down and set some goals and some targets and a bit of a process challenge about where the direction of my life is going to move forward over the next six months to a year. So it's all very, very exciting times. So anyway, I hope you, hopefully you wanted to hear about that. Uh, and this month's show, it's, it's an interesting show actually. It's, um, it's a topic that's really been on my mind a lot lately and it's been a topic uh, I actually wrote a piece about which... I'll probably get put in the local mag or something like that, but um, I wrote a piece about it, and I thought to myself, actually, this is a podcast. This one could be a podcast within itself, so it'll be interesting to see if you guys think it works, but uh, the interesting thing about it is it might be quite a short show, so, so hopefully there's enough content to get you through, you know, I, know. I, I kind of try to aim for 40 minutes in the show, so hopefully we can get 40 minutes out, um, it, it might only be 10, but it probably won't be. Um, anything else? I've been getting a few emails from you guys. Actually, I got an interesting email around finances, and um, I'm going to read it out at the end of the show and actually share my thoughts on it as a as a person who really was kind of trying to get ahead in life, but 
and, and tried to do well in life and try to succeed in so many areas, but found the financial side of his life was really holding him back. And he was interested in my view. And and uh, as much as I kind of specialise in fitness, I've always had a bit of an interest in how to be successful with finances. And and to be honest, I'll probably point you guys mainly towards someone else who I think creates pretty amazing content around this topic. But um, I. I do believe finances actually have a big influence on the sense of freedom that you can have in this life. But, you know, where does that sit within, you know, chasing finances to a detrimental way or, you know, finding a lifestyle that works where you get to have the life you want. So um, I'll read that out at the end of the show and also share some more information on that, you know, my thoughts on that then. But anyway, I'll pretty much get into this month's show. So this month's show, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what you guys think. I, it's uh yeah, it's an interesting subject. So I'll put some music on and let's get into it. I want you to imagine a, a situation where you have what you consider maybe your your perfect healthy day. You wake up, you know, you, you have a good night's sleep beforehand, you know, you go to bed at the time that you know you should go to bed at night. You know, for me, that would be, I don't know, 10 o'clock, 10.30. And you get a good amount of quarterly sleep. So for you, you might you might think to yourself, I need I need eight hours of quarterly sleep to, to have a really great night. And you get there and you get into bed and, you, you know, you turn off your phone, you put everything aside and you go to sleep. And you have a magical night's sleep. You wake up in the morning, the, the alarm goes off, but you're always awake anyway because you've had such good sleep. Once you get out of bed, you know, you just you just feel you're in a good place that day. So you get out of bed and, you know, you get ready for your work and you have a good healthy breakfast and, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself and you think to yourself, I might go for a walk at lunchtime today because I've got an hour and I really only need half an hour for eating and stuff. So I might try to get a half an hour walk in after lunch and I'm going to go to the gym and do some exercise after might do a class at the gym after work today so you, you know you do that and then while in the morning you also pack your lunch so you've got healthy choices because you kind of know deep down that if you don't pack your lunch you'll tend to buy junk food or, or that snack box that you have at your work will become a bit more of a temptation but if you pack your lunch you do it well so that first part of the day goes off to, to perfectly you pack your lunch you take your gear for both walk at lunchtime and maybe a bit of a pump class at the gym after work and and where you go you get to work and a productive day at work, everything you do is good, you know, you achieve your objectives for, for the first block of the day, you stop, you have a healthy snack at, uh, you know, morning tea, and then come lunchtime, you, you have your snack, and, and you're not even really in a place where you doubt that you're going to go for a walk, you just put your shoes on, you go for a walk, and it's like it recharges you both physically and mentally for the rest of the day. Come afternoon tea, you walk past that snack box and it's almost like the temptation doesn't exist. You walk past it and you go, no, that's not for me. And you go and grab, you know, your piece of fruit or some nuts or whatever you consider to be healthy and and you eat that and then, uh, you know, you go through the rest of the day feeling really good about the choices you are making. Five o'clock comes along and you jump in your car and, and you know, because you're on a roll, there's no doubt, you know, some days where you go to, you know, you know you've know, got to do exercise, there's that little bit of doubt, well, will I, won't I, but today you've just had this flow-on effect of amazing decision-making processes happening, and so you jump in the car and you go straight to the gym, you get your gear on, and you don't just, you don't just do the workout, you have a fantastic workout. You have a workout where maybe you increase your weights, or, or you just work to a level that, that you know is the highest level that you can achieve in a workout, so... You're feeling really good about yourself. You come home, you know, talk to your partner or talk to your kids or, well, I don't know, talk to your flatmate. 
cook a healthy meal and you are feeling pretty good about yourself, get a book, read a bit of a book, whatever. Not long before bed, at around about, let's say, just nine o'clock because it's easy, you go brush your teeth. You walk into the bathroom and you get your toothbrush and you look in the mirror and, and you give yourself that look, the look that tells you, you know what, you're doing all right. You look in the mirror and, and there's a little bit of a spark in your eyes, there's a little bit of, a bit of smile on your face and you kind of almost look at yourself and, in a way that's forgiving and, and easy on yourself and, and, and probably comes from the way you've lived your life today. You've had a good sleep, you've eaten well, you've done your exercise, you're productive at work. You've just done the things that you know, you know, put you in a good place. And, and, and that's the reward, that moment there when you look in the mirror to brush your teeth and you and you kind of go, you know what, I'm doing all right. You brush your teeth and while you're brushing your teeth, you turn around and you see the scales sitting there. And you think to yourself, I might jump on the scales, I've been pretty good today. I might, I might see, you know, maybe I've lost some weight. If, you know, that might, you know, I ate so well, I did my exercise. Surely I've lost a little bit of weight today. So you turn around, you put your toothbrush on, and you jump on the scales. But the scales don't tell you a number that you want to see. Let's say, for example, their number's 80 kg. But when you jump on the scales, the number says 83. Suddenly, all those good feelings, that way you felt about yourself, totally disappears. And suddenly, you're beating yourself up. There's a sense of disappointment in yourself that you're a failure. You turn around, you grab your toothbrush again and you look in the mirror and there's a totally different face looking back at you. One that sees all the bad things you maybe struggle with within yourself. You brush your teeth, your step doesn't have a spring in it anymore, you walk out to the lounge, you walk into the kitchen, you look in the cupboards and you look for self-destructive food to eat. And you don't just eat a little bit, you go OTT on how much of that food you eat. This scenario is really interesting to me. I find it I find it really fascinating because if you look at the situation in this scenario, you have a day where you could almost see perfection in your behaviours. Now, obviously there's no such thing as perfection and, and what is perfect behaviours for one person is different to the next person, but we see a pattern of behaviours that you can look at and think to yourself, wow, I've done really great at. You sleep well, you planned your food well, you exercise well, you resisted temptation, you also exercised to a high intensity, you got home again, you ate well, you rested well, you know, you did everything in that day that put you in a good place. So much so that, that when you looked in the mirror that first time, you felt good about yourself. All these behaviours stacked on top of each other gave you a sense of esteem, gave you a sense of achievement that was pretty cool. But then you put this one measurement tool in front of you, and because you'd failed on that measurement tool, all that esteem and all that reward was totally flipped on its head to a place where you were lacking esteem and you felt terrible about yourself, which then led to, to destructive behaviours, behaviours that take you in that downward spiral to a place which doesn't lead to you know, great behaviours. I find, a, I find a situation really interesting, and it's been a situation I've been considering a lot in my life right now is, if I were to wrap it up, I suppose, is to say, does how you measure yourself influence 
how you act in the world? Does the measuring tools we use influence how we act in the world? You know, if we look to that situation I just talked about, lots of great behaviours, lots of, you know, perfect model of yourself, but your measurement tool didn't tell you a number that you wanted to see. The scale said 83, you wanted to see 80. Because you didn't see the number, you were a total failure. As I was saying before, this is a subject that's really been on my mind a lot lately, the idea of does how we measure our lives influence the way we make decisions? And, 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 and as I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking about where you can see this is in other areas of the world. And, and I'm going to talk about a documentary I, I saw, and I can't exactly remember the name of it. I think it's called The Smartest Men in the Room. And it's, it's around the Enron saga. You know, for those who don't know, Enron was one of America's biggest companies and it was held to the highest regard for many, many years throughout the 90s and 2000s and so on. It was, um, you know, it was definitely one of America's top companies, and um, it was one of the the darling companies that a lot of other companies would look to and, and aspire to be like. And you know, it was you know, it was that the, probably the Apple. You know, Apple seems to be the the company of the moment. But uh, but when the market crashed, Emma was one of the first companies to disappear off the scene, and as they started to crumble and cracks started to reveal themselves, it was shown that their leaders had acted hugely unethically and and conducted themselves in ways that were were just downright illegal. We were just breaking the law and and lied and, and created so many ways to manipulate the system for their advantage. Great documentary. I highly recommend if you get a chance to see it. It's it's very interesting and and as I think about that, that measuring tool thing, and you look at, you know, some of the financial disasters over the last period of time, and you look at companies, and you look at a place like Emron, and you go to yourself, how did they measure themselves? How did Emron measure their success? And based on what I remember of the documentary, so this is not factual, but just my memory of it, that the guys at Emron measured their success by profit and it seemed as though profit was the only measuring tool it was the, the only gauge of success and because they only had this one measuring tool for success this this profit measuring tool they compromised so many other things to achieve the success of profit they compromised ethics they compromised um, their values they compromised business, the law, they compromised so much stuff because they were always chasing profit. Now when I put this in the context of the business world, I think we could all think of examples of companies that have probably chased profit to their own detriment in the long term. They've chased one measuring tool, which has ultimately become their downfall in the long term. If we look at this and we then start to go, okay, well in the business context, it's probably not the best idea to focus on chasing one measuring device or one measurement tool like profit uh, in a way to conduct your business. You know, sure, all businesses want to aim for profit, but you also need to have other measurements that make you know you're doing the behaviours of your business. Uh, You know, I always use the word behaviours, but to use the behaviours of your business to make your business better. You know, how do you treat your people? 
what how do you give back to society what, what's your role within society are you taking more than you need you know I, I'm not sure what all the measuring tools business could use but I'm sure that a lot of the successful businesses out there have many different gauges in telling them that they're doing things right so let's take this back to this is back to where, you know, where I started this conversation, and, you know, and I, and I talked about the person who had, you know, had the perfect day almost, but their one measuring tool at the end of it really took them to a self-destructive place, to a place where they felt like a failure. In this situation, the person, you know, the example I made up, that person only really gave themselves one way to test themselves. And if that test didn't come off perfectly, no matter how well they behaved or no matter how, you know, how you know, good their behaviours have been over the last 24 hours, unless they hit a certain number, they were going to be a failure. So it kind of makes me wonder if, if you put your emphasis on one measurement tool or a small amount of measurement tools, is that a really dangerous thing? And I've got to be honest, when I went, you know, obviously to the audience I'm talking to and, and I'm talking about fitness behaviour, that measurement tool is probably going to be weight. You know, for a lot of people out there probably listening to this right now, you know, you, when I talked about that day, that perfect day, you know, and then you jump on the scales and it all falls to crumble, crumbles, I, I imagine a lot of people out there base that measuring tool on weight. So then the question becomes, is that measuring tool dangerous for you? Is that measuring tool and the way you use that measuring tool and the emphasis you put on that measuring tool actually leading you down a path that is not healthy for you? Does the tool lead you down a path that's not healthy for you? One thing thing I, I, I want to kind of talk to here is that I do actually think measurement tools are a very, very healthy thing that we can use in our life to, to monitor our progress and to, to help us move forward in one direction. And, you know, so it's, it's, I think the message I don't want you to get from today is that you shouldn't measure yourself as you try to move forward. I think the, the, the question I'm really exploring is when a measuring tool is bad for you and what's a different approach that you can have to use measurement tools in a much more healthy way that's going to help you move forward. So I suppose, you know, I kind of painted the picture now and so I'm going to spend a bit of time exploring that question. You know, not that measuring tools are bad, but if you sat and listened to that first segment of the show and you sat and you realised that the scales determine how you feel about yourself, then maybe it's time that you reassess the way you measure yourself. Maybe it's time to spend a bit of time looking at some different strategies to put in place that are going to make you more successful in your day-to-day life because you're not so vulnerable just to one measuring tool. And so then so then you start to go, and, uh, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but I, I suppose the first thing is is that we need to consider, and, and this is kind of going to go a bit deep, and, and I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to get it out properly, but hopefully I can. But when you think about that measuring tool, so we'll use scales because it's kind of the topic I'm talking about, but when you think about the scales and you think about jumping on the scales and seeing a number that you're happy with, what actually do you really want? What do you really, really hope to achieve with that number? What do you see in yourself when you are that person who gets under that number? What do you, you know, what do you think other people are going to think of you as you see that number? You know, I'm not sure if I've got the right questions here, but really exploring that, you know, ultimately, what does that weight that I'm aiming for actually represent? What does the weight that I'm aiming for 
really represent. Now, I'm talking to scales today. For some people out there, it may not be scales. It may be other measurement tools. It might be cheapest before the show I was talking about finances. It might be a financial number you need to hit. But there's this concept in your, in your head that if you hit this this number, whatever measurement tool it is, that you will get something. And I think that's actually what you need to start exploring. You know, like if it's a weight thing, if for you it's sitting at 80kg, you know, I'll just say that number because that's where I tend to sit. Although, to be honest, I never weigh myself. I, I can't remember the last time I weighed myself. I probably weigh myself once every two years. Um, it's not a tool I use because I just don't really worry about it. But but I have my tools, and I definitely have my tools where I'm a little bit unbalanced um, around, you know, maybe measuring too much in certain areas. But I, th- I think, you know, if we're going to explore this a little bit deeper, we've really got to go, what do you actually think you're going to gain by being at the number that you think is the perfect number for that measurement tool. Why is that important? Why is that question so important? Because if we can start to understand what I am trying to gain from achieving that number, then maybe we can look at other ways to measure that we are getting that gain from other measuring tools. hope that makes sense. I'll, I'll try to say that again. So I'll give an example. So let's say that 80kg is the number that you really want to achieve. You've, you know, you're, you're sitting around 85 to 90, and, and you really want to get down to 80. And so you work really hard and jump on the scales, and you're trying to get down to that number. And that number represents a weight that you're trying to achieve, but it actually represents a lot more than that. It may be that you feel you need respect from your peers. That um, if you have, if you sat at a weight that was that much weight, people would look at you in a way that was respectful. It may be that you look back to your past and when you were younger and the time in your life when you were most happy for yourself, that was when you sat at 80kgs. So you represent happiness based on a weight that you were sitting in. It may be that you won't have to be so hard on yourself. That, you know, for you, you're allowed to be easy on yourself once you achieve that weight. That you don't have to beat yourself up if you achieve that weight. So it's almost like if I can get to that place, I can sit in a place where I'm content. So if you see what I'm doing here, I'm trying to explore what that actual that scale number represents to you. What are you actually trying to achieve by hitting that scale? It might be respect, it might be happiness, it might be being easier on yourself. But if you were to explore what, what it is you really want, what it is the things that you're hoping to gain by achieving that, that measure you have, then you can start to explore other ways to achieve those things. So let's just sit with those three things, with, with respect, with happiness, and with um, the idea of being easier on yourself. So then the question goes to you, if you were trying to achieve respect in your life, what are some ways that you could achieve that that you aren't currently doing? And how could you measure that? If you are trying to achieve happiness in life, when you experience happiness, what are the things you do? You know, for me, it's I play music. For me, it's I spend time with friends. It's for me, I, I, I sit in bed at night with Joe and we joke and, and just have fun together. You know, those are, those are some real, you know, daughter, time with my daughter. My daughter singing with me is really one of my happiness times. You know, I have these things in my life that tell me, you know, that I know that when I do them, I'm having more happiness. If it's about me being easier on myself, when am I easier on myself? When in the past have I been easier on myself? When can I allow myself to be easier on myself? And, and what are the things that I do at that time that allow myself to be easier on myself? 
if you go back kind of two steps and you say, okay, well, why am I really having this big emphasis on this measurement tool? What am I really trying to gain from this measurement tool? You know, what, what is the outcome I ultimately desire? Sure, I want to be 80 kgs, but really I want respect, I want happiness, and I want to be easier on myself. Then how can I find those those things in other areas of my life? So how can I see markers in there that I can actually measure that will help me be successful in those areas? And once you've done a bit of work around that, then to set up some measurement tools around that stuff. To actually sit down and go, okay, well, you know, for respect, you know, I know that if I do my work on time and I'm competent at work, I get a sense of respect from my peers. So that's something I should start measuring. When it comes to happiness, I know that for me, playing music with friends is, is it makes me happy. So I need to measure: am I am I doing that within my week? For you know, for a lot of people, happiness may come from exercise. I know I feel good about myself when I exercise. So one of the measurement tools I'm going to add to exercise for happiness is exercise. When it comes to being easy on myself, maybe expectations, and I'm going to go into expectations in a minute, but the expectations around what I'm trying to achieve. If you were to sit down and, and to spend this time assessing, you know, why it is that you have this tool that may be unrealistic, that actually makes you feel worse about yourself more often than, than feel good about yourself, and why you are trying to, you know, what you're really ultimately trying to get from this tool, then to figure out ways that you can achieve that in other areas of your life, and then set some measurements up around that, do you think you could be more successful? Be more successful in a way where you are, feel you're winning the battle. And I think that's one of the important things, there's kind of a few messages I want to kind of go into now, and, and I think one of the important things is to not just have one measurement tool. And, you know, if we go back to the example at the beginning of the podcast, you know, within that day where they had their perfect behavior day, there could have been five or different ways they could have measured their success. It could have been, you know, good night's sleep. Am I having good night's sleep? And, you know, this kind of taps into what we talked about in the process challenge. You know, what are those behaviors you have when you're at your best version of yourself? And the process challenge, I suppose, in a way, is a way of giving yourself lots of different measurement tools. But... You know, what are those ways that you could have looked in that day? I ate healthy. You know, I, I, I was productive at work. I did a, a spread, you know, a, an objective session. I did my exercise. I did it to a high intensity. Now, the scales may be one of those tools. But if you come into a day and you have five or six different things that you're going to measure that will define what your success is, then you're not so vulnerable just to one. And one that can be quite harmful, that can lead you down a path that has a negative flow and effect. That then leads me into the kind of my kind of probably the last point that I'm going to talk about in today's show. And and it's and it's sometimes I wonder, I worry a little bit with the show is that there's there's overlap, and it's kind of hard not to have overlap around certain subjects. But I, I had a session with a client the other day, um, and uh, this client's doing really well, you know. Great, I, I, love, I, love, I love my coaching stuff, I feel very fortunate. But it was really interesting talking to my client, and they came up with this, this concept of, I don't trust myself. And um, and I was, I was really interested in the idea of, they didn't trust themselves, or why, why don't you trust yourself? And it really came down to, after a while we talked about it, and it really came down to the fact that they never succeeded. They never succeeded, and when we talk about measurement tools, this person had used the scales is a measurement tool for such a long time and they had this this number in their head which really represented 
their success. You know, if they can get to, let's just use my 80kg number, if they can get to 80kg, they're going to be in a place that they're great. Now, the interesting thing with my client is that they're not that far off it, but they can never get that close. And and because of that, because they got to a place where they never really succeeded, they actually learned not to trust themselves. They actually learned to live in a place where they didn't trust that they could achieve things and be successful. Now, as we explored this subject, it was very interesting discussing it around with them. And, and as we explored it further and further, it turned out it wasn't just the scales. It was also work that uh, it was interesting. They just had recently had a work review. And in their work review, the boss, you know, thought they'd done a great job, thought they'd done this fantastic job. And, and you know, like, well done, you've done really well. And it's tough times in their industry. So the fact that you've kind of delivered these numbers is really impressive considering the time and the place. But my client felt they had failed. And, and I was really interested in talking, talking to them in this, in this moment because I was like, well, wait a second. Your boss came along and said, look, you know, really happy with the work you're doing. Why would you feel you had failed? And my client went on to say that they'd set this expectation around what they should achieve in this time period. That they went into this time period with a goal that they thought that they should achieve. And because they did not achieve it, they felt they were a failure. Hence, there's that sense of, I don't trust myself because I never succeed. Now, we spent a lot of time on the subject and we kind of dig deeper and went really far into it. But one of the things we discovered with my client was that they often see unrealistic expectations towards the growth they're going towards. That from day one, they put their, their, the things they're trying to achieve so far out of reach that actually they're making it extremely hard on themselves to be successful. So hard that often they don't get there and they feel like a failure and they don't trust themselves. The thing that, that this client needed to learn was to be more realistic when they set their targets. Now, one of the flow-on effects of this, this expectation my client would set on themselves was that they would have to go to extreme behaviours to achieve this this goal they'd set. So let's say work. You know, they may have, I, I don't know the exact situation, I'm kind of just pulling this out of my butt, but, you know, you'll, you'll kind of get what I'm talking about. Let's just say in a work situation, they would say, okay, well, I need to achieve so much growth. We'll just use this just as an example so you get what I'm talking about. But I need to achieve, you know, the boss comes along and say we want to see 10% growth in the next period of time. And um, and my client would have sat down and said, no, no, I need to achieve 40% growth. But okay, now I'm totally exaggerating. And again, this is not applicable to my client, but I'm just putting it out there. Now, when you think I have to achieve 40% growth, you start to look at your life and you go, well, if I'm going to have to achieve 40% growth, suddenly I have to work 70 hours a week. Suddenly I'm going to start to neglect my family. Suddenly I'm going to have to stop missing gym classes and so on. Suddenly you're setting up a life that you can't actually maintain. We see a lot with diets. People, you know, come into a place where I'm always interested in how people would kind of set their goal for diets. You know, you, you get it's like they just pluck a number out of the air. They kind of go, okay, I need to lose some weight. Okay, well, you know, well, I was happy when I was 20. Well, not 20. <laughs> I was happy when I was 60 kg. I'm now 70. Okay, I need to get 60 kg. Okay, and I've got to do that fast. So I'm going to try to do that in four weeks. Now, A, it's not healthy to lose 10 kgs in four weeks. And B, it's actually not realistic on the long term. 
You might be able to lose an extreme amount of weight, but you're going to have to go to extreme behaviors which aren't sustainable in the long term, which is going to end up being damaging. And when you finally give up on that goal or that, you know, the behaviors that come with that, you're going to fall back into bad behaviors, probably more to the extreme. Ultimately, the biggest mistake a lot of people make, and, and, and a lot, I'm talking about a lot of people, is that they are unrealistic around the expectations they put on the measuring tools they use in their life. One of the reasons a lot of people feel disappointed when they jump on the scales is because they've actually set up an unrealistic expectation. They actually are never going to win because they do it in a way that's going to make them fail. So if we go to, you know, go back to kind of square one of all this, and we think, okay, well, am I using a measuring tool that's actually that puts me on a bad path more than a good path more often. Can I expand the measuring tools that I can use? Are there different tools that I can use? Okay, for the example I used was respect, happiness, and and being easy on myself. How would I measure those? So what would be the things that I would need to to measure those? Okay, well, I want work completion. I'd want um, a sense of pride in my work. You know, those could be some respect things. Happiness, playing my piano, um, time with friends, um, quiet time to myself. Um, being easy on myself, you know, time to reflect. Um, um, you know, like one thing I do for a lot of my, my clients is a, a, a gratitude diary, you know, where you do some gratitude and it's just about you being easier on yourself. But then once you've set that up, to actually think, are the measures I'm putting in place with these different areas realistic? Am I being realistic around what I should be achieving in those areas? And to be honest, I think that realistic or being realistic comes from measuring from day one, from actually where am I right now and where do I grow from this moment forward? Where am I right now and where do I go from this moment forward? So if you sat down and you did like a an audit of the respect you have in your life and you realize, okay, I don't have as much respect I want as work or, or I don't have as much respect in myself as I think I need, Okay, well, where are you now? And, you know, I always go back to small steps, but where is, you know, what are the behaviors I'm doing and what ones should I be aiming for to install over this next period of time? You kind of get where I'm going with this. As I, as I think about kind of wrapping this up, I kind of, you know, this whole idea, that has been a thought that's on my mind a lot lately is, is, is how do, you know, how do I measure myself? What, you know, what are the tools that I need to do to measure myself to make sure I'm in a good place. What what are the areas that are most challenging that I maybe have too much emphasis on when I measure myself? I'll be really honest, because I think honesty is important. My struggle in life right now is age. I'm 35, and uh, and, and I've got to put some context in it. I'm a pretty boy. I've always been a pretty boy, and, and to be honest, a lot of my life I probably put too much emphasis on personal image and as my life has progressed I've put less and less on that because I've tried to develop a mind that gives me esteem and uh, and definitely I, I understand that the physical gives me esteem as well but for the longest period early on in my life I'm to about 25 you know my image was really what gave me most of my esteem and then you know in the last 10 years I've really worked on how do I develop a mind that gets esteem because I kind of figured that you can't really win the age battle, you know, and, and what do I mean by that? If you focus on image and youthfulness, you can't win. You're going to lose. And 
And I'll tell a story actually because I think this is an important story to share right now. I, I, I know this person, and I don't want to kind of be too detailed because I don't want to offend anybody. But I know this person who is an amazing soul, um, phenomenal soul, just the kind of person that when you be around them, you just feel good about life. And this person's in their probably sixties, and um, someone I I have huge respect for. Huge, huge respect for, and I and I look at them, and I've always looked at them, and I've always appreciated their time, and um, hugely successful. Um, and, and when, you know, how do you define success? But if 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 you define success based on, and I suppose how do you measure success? You know, like to lots of the external, you know, successful in business, um, very successful athlete has has won marathons in their time. Um, you know, like just achieve so many things. But ultimately, I look at this person, and and the thing I probably respect the most is their sense of happiness and their sense of a bit of wisdom about who they are. And so as I look at this person, the thing I admire the most is that wisdom and happiness that they have at the, you know, at 60, you know, that's kind of what I want to be as I move forward in my life. And recently they got a face face job, well, I don't know what you call it, like plastic surgery on their face. And I don't want to sound awful here, but it just looks odd. It just looks a little bit funny. Um, I haven't talked to the person about it, and maybe I should. Um, but, you know, it, it, it just looks a little bit funny. It doesn't look right. You know, the person of that age, it, it, you know, it didn't really make them look younger. It just made them look like they had something done to their face, which makes them look a bit weird to me. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is that when I look at this person now, that consumes me. I look at them and I think, wow, I can't believe you look like that. And my mind has shifted off the fact that this was a person who I looked to for their wisdom, for their happiness, for the, for the way they've lived a long, rich life. And for me, the biggest challenge I, I'm, I have in my life right now is how do I shift my, my place towards that? How do I shift my way towards being someone who... who as I age, I chase the right things. It's really interesting as, as we talk about the subject, you know, like in our society, youth is, is seems to be ambition for all of us. Well, not all of us, for a lot of us, you know, and especially as we age, youth, you know, it seems to be the thing we want to hold on to most of all. And, you know, you often hear compliments like, oh, you look so great for your age, you know, that, you know, that ultimately that, you know, what you're doing really well compared to young, compared to the youth. And... I want to be a person who stands up in this world as I age, and, and you know, not to let go of myself. I still want to be healthy and fit, and and you know, sit in an image that I'm happy with. But I don't want it to be based on trying to be young. I want to be someone who stands up, and when you spend time with me, you go, "Wow, that's a wise person. It's a wise person to be around. There's something around that person that represents. There's a wisdom that comes with it. Now." When you're 20, it's pretty rare to find someone who's wise. The thing the youth have is they look young, and they can enjoy that. But the one thing the youth, well, it's not that they can't have, but one thing that comes with age is wisdom. You know, if you challenge yourself and you go through experiences and, and, and all that stuff, that you sit in a place where you can become a wise person. And it worries me that we're moving towards a society where as as we age, 
and as we have tools to try to make us look younger, which aren't necessarily that good, do we just try to chase youth? Or do we just, should we be trying to, as, as you know, myself in my mid-30s now, aiming towards, you know, this next period of my life, where aging, you know, is going to become a bit more obvious, should I be chasing wisdom? Now, as I intellectually talk about this, I know that I want to be chasing wisdom. I want to be chasing the person who stands up there and can can help people grow and can help people develop and, and have a, a worldliness about me that is good for the world and those around me and that will help people see things in themselves that they can't see. And I don't want to be have to hold on to the thing that I can't hold on to and make that lead me towards behaviours that may you know, that I may not necessarily like, that I suppose ultimately come from insecurity. But I'll be honest with you, this is probably my biggest struggle in life right now. And uh, for me, you know, like if you see photos of me, I'm hardly receding, but I'm I'm starting to recede. And I know that I put too much emphasis on that in the way I measure myself, that at times, if I look in the mirror and I see my receding, that has an effect of me, like the scales that I talked about earlier on. Now I can't, you know, like, like you can lose weight, but receding wise, I probably can do some things about it. But really, if I'm going to focus my energy on just trying to keep some here, is that going to be the best use of my energy in my life? Am I much better off to find ways to measure myself to measure to see if I'm actually moving towards wisdom? To measure myself in a way that shows me that I'm moving towards this being that is a, you know, that. It is great in this world because I'm wise, not because when I get to 60 I look 40, but I've also got a you know, hair transplant and, and all the rest of it. I understand the image thing, and I understand why, and, and, and as I said, it's a bit of a, you know, this is, as I'm hitting my mid-30s, this is one of the things I struggle with. But one of the things I'm trying to approach, and you know, as I talk about today's show, that's one of the things I'm trying to really put my focus towards is what are the measurement tools that actually take me off this thing that's actually not healthy for me and shift me towards the person that I really want to be? Now, maybe I've just gone way OTT on my own kind of experience there, but maybe that helps you understand more about what I'm talking about. That for me, if I'm going to look in the mirror and think, well, you're receding, you're losing it, what kind of behaviours is that going to lead me towards? Is that going to lead me towards behaviours that are going to make me feel good about myself? They're going to make me a better version of myself. They're going to make me, you know, be happy in myself. Or is it going to lead me towards behaviours that just build my my insecurity around that area? If I can figure out that measuring tool, that that measuring tool is not a healthy measuring tool for me, then ultimately, where do I want to shift my energy? And for me, that is the idea of the, the word wisdom seems to really sit well with me. And then I've been working through this myself recently and um, the wisdom one's really good because I kind of, if anything, loss of hair <laughs> represents wisdom to me because loss of hair represents age. So the idea that as I see myself receding, it means I've got more years under my belt and that as I have more years under my belt, if I'm living my life in a way that's pretty great, I, I will be wiser. So what I'm training my mind to do is that as I see my receding, and I'll be honest, I'm not great at it yet, I'm, it's, it's, but I'm, this is where I'm putting my focus, is I'm putting my mind towards the idea of loss of hair is actually meaning I'm getting wiser. Like 15 years from now when I'm 
probably a lot more receding and maybe a little bit bald, I'm going to be a pretty wise man, hopefully, if I chase the right things to measure. And as I look about the next period of my life, when, you know, mid-30s, age suddenly does start to happen in a way that, you know, you notice. If I measure myself based on trying to hold on to youth, I'm only going to take myself down a bad path. But as I aim towards wisdom, then I'll be able to sit in a place where I'll be able to age gracefully, be content in myself, but actually measure things that are making me a better person for myself and my world. So as I, as I wrap up today's show, and I, and I hope this has all come together, because sometimes I do these shows and I go, oh, God knows if you guys get anything out of it. <laughs> but as I wrap up today's show, and, and I throw questions at you because that's what I, I like to do, what are those things, those tools that you use that are actually putting your focus on emphasis that are taking you away what you want from what you want to be in this world? And do you overemphasize on those tools? Is it only one tool? Is it only the scale? Is it you're here, like for me? What are the things that you do that measure you, you use for measurement that actually make you feel bad about yourself more often than anything? Do you need to include more ways to measure yourself? Do you need to explore what do you really actually want to gain by achieving those tools? And then to put your emphasis on developing those areas of your life. And sure to have measurements around those things. But measurements that are realistic based on where you are right now. And where you want to be heading as you progress forward. And measurement tools and where we put our focus with our measurements can take us down paths that ultimately aren't making us want to be in the world. They're ultimately pull us away from what we really want to be in this world. And if we can identify that we're doing that, and we can develop a plan to put us in a different direction, or, or put our measurement on things that are actually important to us, then we have a much higher chance, and here comes my wrap-up, of living a life where you are always being the best version of yourself. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> I was just kind of just listening back back to that, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys found that okay. But it's, it's funny, isn't it? I kind of at the beginning of the show, I was like, oh, I'm not sure. If I, it might be a short one, and I just waffled. So hopefully, you get some value from that. Now, the funny thing is, last month I got on the show and I said I'll get the worksheet up there, and, and I didn't. And to be honest, that's because often the worksheet is like my low priority thing in my life, and you know, this last few months has been pretty busy. But I'm jumping on a plane. Uh, in two sleeps on Wednesday and I'm heading over to Europe for a holiday which I think I may have talked about earlier on the show and um, so jumping on a plane and heading to Europe so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing a couple worksheets to catch up on the ones I've missed because I've literally got 30 hours on a plane and, and I like watching a few movies on the plane to be honest and, and uh, but at the same time I you know I've got a bit of spare time so I'm going to do this, this um, the worksheet that goes along with this show I'll do that on the plane and I'll also do the last month's show on the plane and maybe even try to catch up with a few older ones that I haven't got around to doing. So um, that should be up there within 
you know, if we're looking at dates right now, because a lot of people get this show in the future, but probably about the 5th of September, probably around then, maybe a little bit earlier. You know, it's the 27th of August right now. So again, that will be is it $3 or $4. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember what I charge, but it'll be on the website, bevanjamesisles.com. And, uh, and I will say, I do actually get lots of good feedback on the workbooks. Um, you can always tell when I've got a you listener to the show, because I often get someone who, who buys all the workbooks at once, which I think is kind of cool. So if you're one of those people, thanks for doing it. I really appreciate all your support uh, for the work I do, and hopefully you get lots of value from those workbooks. So go to Bevan Jams Isles for the workbook that comes along the side of the show. I've got a question here from Josh Kent. Uh, I don't know where Josh is from, but he's from somewhere in the world, probably from Earth. And uh, Josh, it's actually just quite applicable to today's show. And just got, just he sent me through a couple emails. I wrote a piece on my blog around the idea of doers and uh, you know people who have to be doing, and the idea of maybe learning to relax a little bit around that. And he sent here, he really kind of identified with that and really enjoyed it. But then he came back to me and said, one thing that you might be able to help to offer some thought on with my training, I was progressing really well and starting to run with good efficiency. Now, by the way, Josh is training for a 70.3 in about two months oh no it's first Ironman and 70.3 are all happening in the next two months so good on you Josh because that's pretty amazing anyway with my training I was progressing really well and starting to run with good efficiency and maintain good pace and good heart rate I got a bad cold for about a week and didn't train at all now as I resume my program I'm finding pace has fallen off and heart rates uh, heart rates are increasing. Do you have any tips on how to handle these psychological setbacks as I get down to the fact that I was making good progress and now I've gone backwards? You know what, Josh, this, what you're going through is, first of all, I think the thing you need to hear is that it's quite typical that not many athletes will go through a whole block of training and without any hiccups. And it's hard not for you that to kind of get you down. Let's say you've been pro, you know, for those listening who aren't doing Ironman, let's say you've been training really hard for something and you've been doing really well and you're hitting all your targets and, you know, again, this kind of measurement talk thing comes up again. But, you know, you get into that place where you're doing really well and then something out of your control, the flu, you, you know, it's, it's not your fault. It's not through lack of discipline. It's not from bad behaviors. It's not from anything like that. It's just an unfortunate cold put you off track. And then you come back and suddenly you're not what you were. Now, I think there's a couple of things that we need to remember in this situation is that you, you, you've still got plenty of time to get back on track. And, you know, one thing they talk about fitness is it's kind of like the time you have off is the time it takes to get back into it. And I think one thing we need to do in situations where, you know, like the flu happens is to remove expectation. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretty much repeat a lot of what I said on the show, but actually, where are you right now, Josh? When you think about, you know, at the end of the flu and you actually, if you were to write down all the things that have happened, where can you expect to be? And then as you think about the next time, you know, the time you have in front of you, what what can you realistically expect to be at in the next three to four weeks? So, you know, you looked, you've had your flu, you know, you've gone, okay, well, I've lost some fitness. Okay, so where am I right now? So you may even do a little bit of testing. You might go, okay, I'll go for a run. Where does my heart rate sit? Okay, where do I hope to be in the next three weeks? And then you're actually looking for what do you need to do to achieve that? And I think that's the thing is you want to kind of go to that place where, where am I winning? Where am I winning with my training? Okay, so my heart rate's sitting in a run at around 150. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Um, my heart rate's sitting at 150 when I go for a run. It was sitting around 145 because I was fitter at the same pace. You know, I've lost five heartbeats at my one, you know, maybe five minute K pace. So I want to get back to that. Okay, well, it's, it's 150 now. I want to get down to 145. What are the things I need to do to do that? 
and actually just it's kind of like that process challenge I talked about just really focusing on what are the things that I can do today to make me successful and that's a message that I often go back to but it's and even in this situation it's really real the other thing is to not be hard on yourself it was it wasn't because you were bad or it wasn't because you were slack it just these things happen so a be a little bit easier on yourself B, measure based on now and set some realistic goals about your progression back to the place where you'll be. Now, the thing to remember is you're going to get there. You're going to be fine. And I think sometimes that's all we need to hear. You're going to be fine. You're going to get to this Ironman. You're going to have the time of your life. And, uh, you, you know, you'll get over that line. And this, this little hiccup along the way is all just a part of the journey. So you'll be right, mate. Let me know how you go, by the way, too. I've got one more question and um, I'm not going to name names because I'm not sure if they wanted their name to be named but I wrote back to them and asked if they minded that's my squeaky chair for you guys um, I wrote back and asked if they minded me talking about this on the show and it's quite a big email so hopefully I can get through it but anyway a few months ago I started listening to I Am Talk podcast which is my triathlon podcast and I more recently your fitness behavior podcast firstly congratulations on the podcast as they are great to listen to and very entertaining and informative thanks uh, the Iron Talk series is great for me as I devolve into my new love of Iron Man while your fitness behavior podcasts are both spiteful and inspiring it is because of your fitness behavior podcast that I am writing this email to you I know you must get a heap of letters from people seeking advice on their own personal problems and I can understand if you don't have time to answer. Well, I basically went back to them and said, look, I'll try to answer. <laughs> so, And I do it on the show. So anyway, I was wanting to know your thoughts on how to do, deal with personal distractions and how to stay focused both on training and personal life when you have concerns about things like money. For instance, the last few months it felt like I've had a heavy weight on my shoulders and that something has been bothering me and getting me down. When I sit down to try to figure out what was exactly wrong, I realise that my problem is just a financial one. It's like I'm a month behind everything and I'm just keeping ahead, my head above the water. Every aspect of my life, every other aspect of my life I'm happy with. I've got a great partner who supports me, great friends and family who do the same. I've lost more than 30 kgs in the last couple of years, well done, that's awesome, and kept it off for the last 18 months. I've completed my first marathon and first half Ironman, and I'm training for my first Ironman in December. The only thing that gets me down is my struggle financially. I'm doing all the things I can on this front, extra jobs, cutting spending, I've even read a whole lot of positive thinking, law of attraction stuff. The thing is that I still seem to get still seem to get unfocused to the point where I'm just depressed because of it all and it becomes hard to stick to my training program as I don't have the motivation and enthusiasm to do my sessions. Do you have any tips or suggestions on how to overcome these negative feelings and how to stay focused on my goal of becoming 100% meaning doing 100% of my training in my training. I just want to get away from this darker side of thought and enjoy all the things that I am blessed with. First of all, I have to say thank you so much for your honesty. Like, it amazes me how honest you guys are to me about where you are in your life. You know, you come to me with, you know, it takes guts to write an email like that and to kind of reveal that, you know, you've got areas that you're struggling in and... Um, I think the more we can all be honest, the better it is for everybody. I'm going to kind of approach this answer in a couple of different ways. And, and first of all, I'm going to point people towards a guy called Dave Ramsey. Now, Dave Ramsey is a guy that I, as I found as a podcast probably five, six years ago. And um, he's a financial guy and he's very he's got a style which you either love or hate. Um, and to be honest, there's some things about his style I don't like. Um, but... 
his message is really great. His message around financial planning is really great. And why is he really great? Because he comes from a place of, for the everyday person, who kind of is in a place where this person is. And, you know, this show isn't about finance, so I thought maybe I should point you towards the show that is. But he has a, has, has a plan called the Seven Baby Steps, which are some really basic guidelines, but basic guidelines that you listen to and you think, yes, I can do that. And if I share anything with Dave Ramsey's philosophy is that I think that, you know, finances really is a lot like fitness. It's an area that a lot of people are really struggling in. And if you've listened to my show, I've, I've really tried to create content that makes you think, yes, I can do this. And uh, Dave Ramsey, when it comes to finances, does a great job of making finances seem realistic and make you think if you're someone who's in a place where they're struggling that you can do this. So I'm going to put a link to his podcast on bevanjamesisles.com under the show notes for this month's show. And uh, he does a, a like a talk show in America and he just releases it as a podcast every day pretty much. And um, it's, it's, yeah, give it a listen because there's some really good insight there into basic financial stuff. So first of all, and, and, I, and I suppose the other thing, I want to talk about is that I totally understand this financial situation that you're in. I I left school, you know, I, I failed school and then I went got, like, got a job and I racked up a lot of debt. And I remember eventually I got to the point where I wanted to transition to something else in life and I had so much debt that I basically had to work for another year before I could go to university. And I remember I thought, no, bugger this, I'm going to nail this debt. I'm going to spend the next 10 months just getting rid of all my debt. And I remember once I got it, I once went and bought a Snickers bar and like I went to the supermarket and bought a Snickers bar and it was the first time in 10 months that I'd wasted any money and literally it was like like a dollar and this was when I was like I must have been 20 so you know I was pretty young and I got out of debt and then from that stage I started saving and started investing and and I'm by no means rich um, I'm, but I'm doing all right in life you know and one thing I realized because I failed with school I didn't have, at that stage, I had no qualifications to sit on my shoulders. And so I um, I always thought to myself, I would never want somebody to own me. And once I kind of started to learn money and how money works and how to be successful with it, the idea of freedom, the idea of me having no debt, because um, that was a real a driver for me. And, and I'm, I can sit here today and say that I sit in a place where I have no debt in my life. And it's, it's actually one of the things I'm most proudest of because you know, most people my age are just starting to get into a lot of debt and I've managed to get it out of it. But the other thing that it gives you is it does give you a sense of peace of mind and freedom. I'm not a very material person. I don't really care about having the flashiest clothes. I don't care about, you know, we've got a TV in our lounge, which is literally 30 years old. Um, well, maybe not 30, but it's a big old school TV. And, you know, I don't care about things so much, but I do like the freedom of choice that money has given me in life. And if you're, if, you know, for people listening, you know, that's probably something worth chasing. But when you think about finances in itself, it really does go down to the behavior stuff. And it sounds like for the person who uh, sent me this email, and I'm just pulling it up again, it sounds like you're doing all the right stuff. You know, you're doing extra jobs, you're cutting your spending. I, you know what, I really struggle with that, that um, the secret, to be honest, when you did that law of attraction stuff. I think there's definitely something to the idea of where you put your focus, you'll get better results. And I think that's the lessons of law of attraction. But I think that whole, the secret, kind of took that to the extreme. I, I doubt that if we got everybody in the show to to focus on a car park today, that everyone would get that car park next to the perfect place. It's it's a little bit of kind of bull crap in my mind. But who am I to know? But I do think there is something to where do you put your focus? And it sounds like, you, you know, you're doing a lot that you can do. 
The one thing you're not doing is you're not seeing your wins. You're not seeing that you are actually getting ahead. And it's that whole, when we look at weight, there's, um, I may have talked about this before on the show, but the guy who invented the weight loss drug a few years ago, I can't remember, maybe it was called Xenical, I can't remember. But, um, and I saw an interview with this guy and he said, what's really interesting about people who lose weight is, you know, you get these people who are massively overweight. You know, he's talking about people who are up to like 180 kg. And they'll lose 30 kgs, and all they do is tell themselves they're still fat and overweight, and they're still they're still a loser. And they never really allow themselves to have their wins. And to be honest, for the person I'm talking to here, it sounds like when when you look at the behaviours, you're doing a lot of things that are actually going to get you to the place where you need to be. But unfortunately, with finances, kind of like weight, that it it takes time to get on. You know, like if you've got let's say $100,000 of debt and you need to get rid of it, it's going to take some time. And it's like the person who's 30 kg overweight, they want to lose that weight now, but it just takes a bit of time. What you're doing really well is you are, by the sounds of things, doing the behaviours that you need to do. I think the thing you need to explore is, how do I get my wins? How do I see those markers along the way where I can stop you know, every month or so and go, wow, I'm getting there. Because you will if you stick to the behaviours that you're doing and you'll get to that point where suddenly you've got rid of your debt and you can start saving and start investing and, you know, and that starts to grow and you know who knows 10 years from now you'll look back on this time and like for me with the Snickers bar and kind of laugh about it. But you need to start feeling successful. So the question I probably would put in front of you is as you kind of set out a plan to get out of this place how do you set up a plan that makes you see your success along the way? That actually gives you some markers where you can tick the box and go, yes, I'm doing really great. And you can feel good about yourself in doing that. Because if you're you're kind of stuck in that place, like the overweight person who's lost 30kg, if you feel bad about yourself, then there's that that risk of you falling back down towards behaviours that are going to keep you away from the place you want to be. And, And as I think about Dave Ramsey, one thing he has, which I really like, is called the debt snowball. And it's the idea of, you know, mathematically... If you think about getting rid of your debt, if you think about, you know, okay, I've got, you know, $100,000 worth of debt and $20,000 for a car, you know, 30000 for a camper van, um, I don't know, let's say 60000 because there's a, you know, TV loan, um, some HPs and something else, that mathematically you'd traditionally say, well, let's go for the thing that has the highest interest rate and pay that off first. So you might say the car has 20% interest rate, the TV only has... 10, something else has 13 and so on. So you'd probably say, okay, well, let's pay off the car first because it has the biggest interest rate. But what Dave Ramsey says is he says, and I like this about his kind of philosophy, is write down which has the least amount of payment on it through to the highest amount of payment on it. And then what you do is you pay off the one with the least amount of payment, even if it is the least interest rate. Because it's not about a mathematical equation it's about behaviours. And if you pay off a debt, you suddenly start to feel that you're winning. So what he says is you kind of pay off the smallest debt first, and then once you've done that, then you look to the next smallest debt, and you add the money from that debt on top of that one. And what happens is over time, you get that sense of winning. And I think, you know, winning like Charlie Sheen, um, I think for this person who wrote this email is to actually go back to that. You, You sound like you're putting a great plan together, But actually, as a part of that plan, where do you see your wins? 
and then how do you celebrate them in a way that makes you feel good about it? Because at the moment, it sounds as though every time you look at finances, it just makes you feel horrible, which then the flow-on effect is, you you know, that that goes on to your training. I imagine it goes on to your nutrition and so on. So hopefully that helps. And, um, you know, it is interesting. I, I do find finances is actually a pretty interesting area in regards to that you know, that behavior stuff as well. So for those, I'll put a link to Dave Ramsey's podcast on the show notes this week, and that's at bevanjamesiles.com. You know what? I can waffle. I said 40 minutes, and I've got up to an hour and three thirds. So I think I should pretty much wrap it up. Um, I'll just say big thanks to everybody for all the emails this month. Love your work. I really appreciate all the feedback I get on the show. I will get those worksheets done when I'm on the plane flying over to Europe. Pretty excited. Me and my partner, my partner and I, I should say, Joe, we're heading over to... We're going to go to Paris and we're going to go to uh, south of France and we're going to Italy and I'm catching up with one of my best friends in the world, a guy called Chris, who I don't really see much in the UK and um, yeah, so I'm going away for a month and it's, it's actually, I'm looking forward to it. So you'll hear back from me next month um, and I'll be you know coming back for hopefully have a 10 from, from Paris. And just one other thing, next month's show I've got a question from somebody, I, can't, I haven't got up here in front of me right now, but I've got a question around kids' exercise. What are my thoughts on getting people to love, or young kids to love exercise? And it's a very interesting subject because, you know, if we're losing the battle, we definitely seem to be losing with kids. So next month I'm going to do a, a podcast on how do we help kids love exercise. So hopefully that can perk up your ears and you'll get some value from that. Anyway, I've talked too long. I've got to get out of here. You guys have a great month and I'll see you next time.